Welcome to the Spartan Underground Show, your ultimate resource for everything Spartan race training. Discover what the best SGX coaches are doing to help their clients boost performance, dominate obstacles, and get through each race burpee-free. Here is your host, Mike Diebler. All right. Hey, guys. This is SGX coach Mike Diebler, and welcome to episode 22 of the Underground SGX Show. If you want to get a hold of me, reach out or have any questions, feel free to contact me at info at spartanunderground.com. If you want to check out any of the show notes for today's episode, you can visit our show notes page at www.spartanunderground.com slash episode dash 22. And today's going to be a mini episode, uh, so a shorter version of our podcast. It's just going to be me on here today, no interviews, but I have some interesting stuff that I wanted to talk to you about. This past weekend was the SoCal Super and Sprint, and some of you may have run that race. And uh, hopefully you guys had a great time. You might be feeling it a little bit and need to recover this week. And if you're not racing, if you didn't race this past weekend, you probably have a race coming up. So this is still going to be relevant for you. I just wanted to talk about recovery. And I know recovery strategies aren't necessarily the most sexiest topics out there for training, but it is something that's picking up momentum and becoming more uh, trendy of a topic. But it is something that I think is absolutely critical and it needs to be something that you pay attention to with your program. So today's episode is gonna be my top five recovery strategies. And the reason I brought this up was what I've noticed a trend with, you know, some clients that I've, I've started working with or just from posts I'll see online is people are just killing themselves. And while, don't get me wrong, I'm all for a tough workout and challenging yourself and and seeing what you can do, but that needs to be a process and there needs to be a plan behind it. Not let me just see how hard I can push myself today and then let me see how hard I can push myself tomorrow and so on. This needs to be part of a bigger plan, not just, hey, every time I work out, it's gonna be as hard as I possibly can to get the most out of it because you're gonna find that that's actually a good way to get hurt and also a good way to not get better with your your training. And what I've noticed is people tend to get stuck in this recovery cycle. And what I mean by that is they work out, they recover from that workout, maybe all the way or maybe not all the way. They work out again, then they try and recover. They work out again, they try and recover. And that might sound like a good thing, but remember the whole point of working out, well, if we're talking about performance, is to get better not just to get through a hard workout it's hey i'm gonna do something push myself and then i'm going to adapt to that so the next time i do it it's easier or the next time i run it's easier so i want to think of my workouts as that it's it's the stimulus that i recover from adapt and then i get better but instead people work out so hard they don't adequately recover or they recover enough just to get back to where they started and then they beat themselves up again. And then we just have this cycle where they beat themselves up, they recover a little bit, they beat themselves up and they recover and you kind of get stuck in the same place. And we see a lot of plateaus happen that way because you've never adapted, right? The whole the goal of your workout is not to get better at the workout. That should be a byproduct. The goal of your workout is to perform better if, if you're training for racing or your goal of your workouts to lose weight or whatever your goal might be. But always remember, what's your underlying reason for that training, right? If your goal is just to get better at that workout, then then go for it. That's, that's your ultimate goal. But I think most people, while they want to get better at a workout, 
that shouldn't be the the main focus it's i'm going to work out for a specific reason and then i'm going to get better at something so this is uh again i'll stress the importance of assessing right assess whatever you want but if you want to get faster test some type of speed right a, a 40 yard dash or or a mile if you're trying to run a faster mile do your workouts and then retest and if you don't get faster that workout was i'm not going to say a waste of time but it wasn't designed to help that one specific goal so maybe you got stronger from your workouts but your goal wasn't necessarily to get stronger it was to improve that mile time right so always remember what's your underlying reason assess reassess to see and if if you're not seeing that progress it might just be because you are stuck in this recovery cycle and you're never truly adapting to to the program that you um, are trying to to go through um, so there's a, a couple things with recovery that we want to focus on and one I've already talked about so one we want to monitor adaptations to training so you just want to make sure that you are monitoring this you're not just going through the workouts you have a specific point a point b point c and you can monitor that right like I said if it's running a faster mile you test that and then you retest it to see if it's getting faster and faster the other part of recovery is to minimize the residual effects of, of racing or training so from training obviously we get sore um, hopefully not get injured but that does pop up so there are effects from training and we don't want to constantly be dealing with soreness if you're sore after every single workout and then you go into your next workout sore that's that's an issue right a little bit of soreness is okay but if you're uh, in so much pain that now you don't squat full range of motion or you're moving a little funny or you, you don't run like you normally do because of soreness that's going to affect your workout ultimately affect your performance and it's a good way to start developing muscle imbalances asymmetries and and injuries down the road so we want to minimize those residual effects from from training and um i have a, a short story i wanted to uh share that kind of explains a personal experience that i've had so in our studio we we got a pegboard and when we first had it put in it was one of those things where i i couldn't really do it it, I always watched it on TV and it looked pretty easy and then I tried it and I was like oh man this is just impossible there's no way to do this so I'm like well I'm gonna just do it every day until I get it so I, I practice I practice I practice and yeah I got better and better and better but then it got to a point where my elbow was just killing me so I developed tendonitis in my elbow because I was training so much so hard on this one specific thing that I just couldn't couldn't take it anymore so I had to recover from it I had to take a step back not do it anymore rehab it properly so I could take a better approach which is just slowly implement it and then progress when I'm ready not just let me do this until I can't do it anymore so that was a lesson I learned where overtraining led to injury which meant I couldn't do that kind of stuff anymore you know pull-ups were out of the question a lot of pulling exercises were just a big no-no because it hurt so bad so I had to take a huge step back because I tried to do so much up front and if I had a better strategy a better plan to recover and then adapt I would have had much better success and I would have mastered that pegboard way quicker than than I did it took me months to be able to do it just because I had such a big setback there so I'm hoping that you you can learn a little bit from this now how much time do you, should you recover depends on the type of workouts that you're doing if you're doing more moderate workouts you're gonna recover a lot faster and you can take a day off maybe not even maybe you can go back-to-back -back days and that's not a problem because we're not doing super high intensity work if I'm doing a little bit more strenuous 
work, uh, I, I'm going to need a good 24 to 48 hour window to completely recover before I do something like that. Maybe longer if you're just getting started. If I'm doing this on a regular basis, where I'm overloading my body repeatedly for, for days and even weeks on end, I'm going to need a much longer time to recover to really get the adaptation I'm looking for. So when I hit a couple weeks in a row of hardcore high intensity workouts, I might need five to seven days to recover from that, right? So that's, that's our recovery process. So the next time I work out, I'm going to be able to hit it harder and I'm going to see progress because I gave my body the ability to, to rest. And I know that's hard for some of you to take that time off. And, and when I say time off, I don't mean rest and do absolutely nothing. It just means we are going to have to back off a little bit, but it's all planned. It's all part of the bigger program. Now, I mentioned soreness as an indicator of, of fatigue and, and being under-recovered. That is one indicator, but there are lots of other ones too. I've mentioned heart rate variability before on this podcast. I don't want to get into it too much, but that's just a way to monitor your, your parasympathetic versus your sympathetic nervous system. Um, but, but just central nervous system activity, I mean, your central nervous system controls everything. So if it's fatigued and run down, it's going to affect performance. So this takes time to recover. So doing something like HRV testing on a daily basis is a great way to see how recovered you are from a workout. Or I mentioned a few episodes ago, the, the tap test, right? Something as simple as that, doing it on a regular basis and seeing if there's any indication that you're not quite completely recovered. Or something as simple as uh, using a heart rate monitor and checking your heart rate when you first wake in the morning and just jotting it down. So if you see that every morning you wake up, you're around 60 beats per minute, you've been doing a couple high intensity workouts, now you wake up and it's 65 beats per minute, a couple days later it's 70 beats per minute, and you see this gradual incline in your resting heart rate, that's a problem, right? The, the adaptation we want from training, especially endurance training, is reduced resting heart rate. So it actually should be going lower. So if I don't see that, it's an indicator that, hey, I'm doing too much. I need to back off a little bit. Okay, so I wanna get into five recovery strategies that I'm just a big fan of. And if you start implementing these five things, you're gonna be more likely to recover, um, not just recover from your workouts, but hopefully recover much quicker. Uh, so number one, and I know these are going to sound basic, but we have to start with the fundamentals. It's going to be nutrition. And when we're talking about nutrition for recovery, I like to just break it down into three things. We're trying to replenish glycogen stores, so refuel that, that stored sugar that we're using in, uh, from our muscle tissue and our liver, liver tissue, stop protein breakdown, and then start protein resynthesis. So we stop muscles from breaking down and we help build them back up again. So we can just start basic and focus on getting carbs proteins and fats in your diets. And obviously I can spend whole podcasts on just each of these. And depending on your, your philosophies and nutrition, people are going to be all over the place with these things. And that's fine. I don't want to, um, you know, talk down on any one diet. I have my own beliefs, my own philosophies, and they work really well. It works for me. It works for, for most of my clients, but Hey, if you're doing something that works really well for you, go for it and and maybe just add a little tweaks in there to help improve it um, but yes carbs I, I am going to get carbs in the diet you know the difference between carbs that you should be eating and that you shouldn't be eating so I'm not going to get into that but we need carbs to train we need carbs to train hard uh, yes you can train in a, a depleted state where you don't take in a lot of carbohydrates and you work out you use up your stored energy that is a technique that'll help you improve fat oxidation. Again, I, I don't want to get into too much detail there, 
But all I'm saying here is when you work out, you want to get in carbohydrates to help replenish that stores because that's our preferred fuel source, especially for high intensity exercise. So if you're doing lots of high intensity work, we need to replenish those muscle muscle glycogen stores and your liver glycogen stores. Uh, so that's kind of step one. The whole pre-workout, post-workout um, window, you know, it, more and more research is coming out. It almost seems like it's saying that we're not quite sure yet. I think the uh, kind of foolproof plan is use a four to six hour window to get in your either pre or your post-workout. And all I mean by that is if if you work, a, work out on a fasted state, let's say you work out in the morning, you don't have breakfast, you haven't eaten since the night before, but maybe you're like, I just can't work out with food in my stomach. It doesn't make me feel good. I, I can't work out as hard. And you've trained yourself to be able to, to work out hard on an empty stomach. That's fine. But your number one priority post-workout is going to be getting in some good carbohydrate sources right after your workout to help replenish what you just used in that workout. Let's say it's a different story. You work out in the evening or afternoons. You had lunch at noon. You're going to work out at, let's just say, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. So that's two hours right there. Your workout's an hour. That's three hours from your last meal. That means you have one more hour that you want to just make sure you get in your carbohydrate source uh, by then. Right? So just it's a sliding scale, four hours or so from meal to meal, and you should be okay. To get something right before you work out and then right after you work out, unless you're just working out like crazy and doing it for long duration, you probably don't. That's a little overkill. Right, so just focus on either a pre-workout or a post-workout, and that way, if if weight loss is a concern at all, you don't have to worry about over-consuming too many calories. All right, so that's that's our our carbohydrates, proteins. The main thing is just focus on make making sure you're getting complete proteins. Right, if you want to rebuild muscle tissue and and help restore after these workouts, you need complete proteins. That means you need all amino acids together to make that complete protein for this whole process to work. So if you're eating uh, from meat sources, that's easy. You'll get a complete protein in there. If you're doing more plant-based, it gets a little bit harder. You have to start combining foods to make up those uh, complete proteins. Also important, make sure you're getting your branch chain amino acids. And it looks like in, specifically leucine is the one a branch chain amino acid that you really want to focus on whether you're taking a supplement or or from whole foods things like milk will be high in in leucine but even when your protein intake is a little bit low if you can keep your leucine intake up it is actually going to help with this whole protein synthesis and then finally fat here don't be afraid of fat we need it for lots of reasons we're just going to specifically talk about omega-3s make sure you're getting good sources of omega-3s again whether it's from food or or supplement or a combination we need those healthy fats in there to restore a little bit of that balance between omega-3s and omega-6s uh, fat is going to be great for helping restore connective tissue it has uh, neuroprotective properties and it's going to help fight inflammation, right? Especially if you're working out hard, there's probably lots of inflammation occurring. We want to keep that under control by making sure we keep our fat intake up. All right. And, and last thing with, with nutrition, again, I know I'm keeping this brief and we can go in a million different ways, but focus on eating nutrient dense food, right? So foods that have lots of vitamins, minerals, and macronutrients, micronutrients, all those things you need without eating just a ton of food. Yes, you can add supplements, but remember, they supplement your normal nutrition. You shouldn't be relying on, on supplements to get all these nutrients in. They just help out where you might be falling a little bit short there.
All right, so that's number one. Build your foundation with good, proper nutrition recovery strategies. Number two is sleep. Sleep is just, I, don't, I think it's just overlooked, but it's one of the most important things that, that you really can be doing for your recovery strategies. Think about it. This is where you actually recover, right? You work out, the workout's the stimulus. You don't actually get stronger during the workout. You get weaker. You beat yourself up. It's the time in between workouts and specifically sleep where these things happen where that actual recovery process happens. And there's numerous research and and evidence showing that those that don't sleep enough see a a vast decrease in performance, right? Mood changes, alertness, power, endurance. All of of these things decrease with with lack of sleep, but we see an immediate improvement when you get more sleep in uh, in your routine, right? Hormones are gonna be affected. You're gonna see things like leptin will decrease. Leptin's one of those hormones uh, release from our fat cells that is a basically our fuel gauge that tells us hey you're full you don't need to eat anymore so when that decreases you don't have that natural appetite suppressant anymore uh, ghrelin increases right ghrelin is what makes you feel hungry so we have flipped of what should be going on so if you don't get enough sleep you're actually going to start getting more hungry when you actually don't need the extra calories which can lead to weight gain which obviously will lead to uh, decreased performance uh, growth hormones another big one the highest peak of, of growth hormone release is going to be at night, right? So our body can help prepare, right? And if, if we don't get adequate sleep and get in that deep enough sleep, we're not gonna have the same amount of growth hormone release and we won't have the same recover, recovery. And one last thing with, with sleep is uh, your carb metabolism is affected. So you will get carbs, you're gonna have a lot harder time breaking those carbs down and using them for energy or storing them as energy. And what happens is you don't, you eat carbs, you don't use them for what you're supposed to use them for, and all of a sudden you're gonna start craving more carbs, right, and more carbs, and you're gonna eat more and more carbs, not necessarily use them for what they're supposed to be used for and keep these cravings up. And while it's easy to say, hey, stop eating all those carbohydrates, when you're craving them nonstop, that's much more difficult to do. The better answer would be, hey, get more sleep and it's going to help with your carb metabolism and ultimately help reduce some of these these cravings. So step number two is just get more sleep. Take naps if you can. Set a timer for when you need to start getting ready for bed. Allow yourself a chance to even get seven to eight hours of sleep. Maybe trying some type of supplementation like like ZMA. Uh, Zinc actually helps with with you falling asleep. There's apps out there like Pizzizz. That's P-Z-I-Z-Z, where you basically listen to headphones and they play different frequency tones in each ear, and that might help you fall asleep. So there's different things out there, but just play around, see what works for you, and try try different things there. All right, number three is, is foam rolling. And we've talked a lot about mobility on this podcast, and I'm just such a big fan of it for lots of different reasons. But this is one thing to focus on during your recovery time. Do more foam rolling. Foam rolling, it's gonna help move water around the tissues to keep things better hydrated. It's gonna move blood and other liquid around to help keep circulation moving. We're gonna help get rid of waste products and get more blood flow to the muscles. This is one when I I, I have tightness in my calves and when I foam roll my calves, I all of a sudden start feeling a little bit warm tingling feeling in my feet because it's actually getting a little bit better blood supply right so better blood supplies means hormones are getting there 
uh, waste products are getting out, oxygen's getting in. So it's just better when we have better circulation there and then flush out those, those waste products. Um, and then obviously you're going to improve mobility. So you move better. If you're dealing with an issue, maybe it's because of lack of mobility and this would be a perfect way to recover. Right? And then finally, it's just going to an, a, a, a simple way that you can stimulate your central nervous system. Just adding pressure and moving around on a muscle tissue engages those uh, receptors in your muscles, in your joints, uh, providing feedback about what's going on in your body. And it's just another way to enhance recovery. Right? And if, if you want, even for uh, more, uh, a more thorough way would to be to schedule massage regularly. Right, get massage work done. Obviously, foam rolling is great. You can do it every day, but a manual therapist is going to be able to do way more uh, by getting their hands in them and working out any issues that you might have. The main thing is, if you're foam rolling or getting a massage, the most important thing to do is one, yes, drink lots of water, but make sure you stretch afterwards. If your masseuse doesn't stretch you, I would highly recommend find one that does incorporate some type of mobility work after your massage, because that's when you're most primed to create better movement right so foam rolling it's going to help you feel better massaging is going to help you feel better move better right so that is our number three recovery strategy okay number four is going to be deload weeks and i know this scares some people sometimes when they they're just afraid to take a week off but it's really sometimes you have to take that step back to take 10 steps forward so you need to plan in a deload week or recovery week whatever you want to call it but an easier week in your program so i usually recommend three maybe four weeks of intense training followed by your deload week and then you will ramp it back up with your intense training again and this doesn't mean you can't work out at all but when we look at somebody's typical training program when they're working out really hard and then kind of recovering and going through that whole cycle that we talked about before that we see their initial fitness level or performance level and they all of a sudden see a decrease in performance because they haven't really adapted at all and they're barely even recovering from the workout where when we look at a proper program that takes into account this deload or recovery week we see maybe an initial decrease but they recover from uh, during that deload week and then all of a sudden they see dramatic improvements in their performance and again I know I'm repeating myself a little bit but that's why you need to check your uh, different tests or different assessments to see how are you adapting to your program or if, if you are even adapting to it. So remember your deload weeks. Um, again, doesn't mean you don't have to do anything, but no significant overloading. Think of it, you're just going to break a sweat, moderate to easy workouts, focus on your foam rolling, focus on your stretching, focus on any movements that maybe give you a hard time and, and almost think of it more of a practice versus a workout, right? So you can still do some stuff, but just focus on some of the minor details that are going to give you bigger improvements later on down the road. All right, so don't forget number four, your deload week. And our number five strategy, recovery strategy, is uh, contrast therapy. So water therapy has a ton of benefits. I know I've talked about this on previous podcasts, but I am just such a big fan of some type of hydrotherapy, whether it's warm baths or cold baths. But really, I like both. And you can look back to a previous episode. I'll put a link in the show notes where I talked about um, a little bit behind the research of, of contrast therapy. But essentially, it's doing a couple things. One, it's going to accelerate removal of waste products. So kind of like we talked about with foam rolling, when you get into a hot bath or maybe a hot shower, things are going to expand. 
then you're going to get right into a cold bath and things are going to uh, contract. And then you have this expand, contract, expand, contract, and it actually is helping better fluid movement throughout the body, right? When, so when you're standing upright, anything below the heart, so your blood below the heart is having a harder time making it back to the heart, right? The blood pumps things out, but there's nothing that pumps it back in. It relies on, on the muscle and the flow of the blood to get back to the heart. So the muscles contract as you walk and as you move around, and that actually helps get the blood back from the legs, for example, into the heart. Um, but this type of therapy actually is another way to help speed up that process a little bit. So it's going to move things a little bit easier. And then again, it's going to activate or, or arouse the central nervous system because you have these two extremes, right? You're getting in the hot, so you have your nervous system reacting to that, and then you're going to immediately go into a cold bath, and now you have to deal with that. So it's, it's improving that reaction time or, or basically stimulating your central nervous system. So I know sometimes this doesn't sound realistic that I'm going to go between a hot bath and a cold bath. You might not have a therapy pool just sitting there. Um, but so I just recommend just alternate between a hot shower and a cold bath. So set up a bathtub, uh, throw some ice in there, get it pretty chilly and uh, turn on the shower, get the water warm. And you're just going to jump in the shower for about a minute, immediately get out and then submerge yourself in that cold bath for about 30 seconds and you're going to repeat that for about four or five times right so it's just a few minutes moving back and forth um it's kind of one of those things i think it's great to sweat but it's also great to shiver and we're getting the best of both worlds there so you're you're going to get your body hot and then you're going to immediately get it cold and shiver and just back and forth just a ton of benefit from doing that and it really does help speed up your recovery and then I want to talk about just one bonus. So I know I was going to give you five recovery strategies, but I do want to do one more. And again, I know this might sound super basic, but it's breathing. And yes, I know everybody is breathing if you're listening to this podcast, but we want it more controlled and we just want to be more conscious of our breathing. Most, most people are breathing shallow breaths from their chest, using their neck muscles, their chest muscles, and not using their diaphragm to, to control their, their breathing. And they get kind of stuck in this in, uh, inhalation pattern. And it's almost like a panic breath breathing through their mouth only, not, not using their nostrils to, to breathe. And our, our breath is, is almost like the window into our nervous system. And it's a way we can kind of help increase parasympathetic nervous system activity. And that's your rest and digest, right? You've probably heard of sympathetic, that's the fight or flight. We want to balance between those two systems. And a lot of times when you're overtraining, your, para, your, excuse me, your sympathetic nervous system is on high alert and stress hormones are released and, and you're not allowing yourself that proper recovery. So by helping improve parasympathetic nervous system activity by sleeping more, by eating right, by just resting and recovering, and then by incorporating proper breathing mechanics, you're going to help improve that balance there to help speed up recovery even more. So and, and it's kind of um, intuitive when you think about it. If you see somebody stressed out, what's usually the first thing you tell them to do, right? Tell them take a deep breath. Right, because we know when you take a deep breath, you're going to feel better. You're going to calm down, be more relaxed. We just need to do that on a regular basis. So you can try something like four, seven, eight breathing, and this is just a breathing technique. One, it's just going to get you conscious about your breathing. But we're going to take four seconds to breathe in through your nose, hold that breath for seven seconds, and then you're going to purse your lips and exhale for eight seconds out of your mouth. Right, so in through your nose, hold it, slow exhale, and you're going to try and focus on 
uh, creating that breath from your belly using your diaphragm um, to help stimulate that parasympathetic nerve response. Uh, many people even claim that type of breathing right before bedtime helps them get to sleep better or fall asleep faster and to sleep more soundly. So maybe it's something you do at night. You just spend a couple minutes doing that breathing, um, but it's just another way to help improve this, this recovery process. All right, so that's, that's it for today. Again, a shorter episode, but I just wanted to go over those six different recovery uh, strategies that you should be focusing on really all the time. But think when you do a lot of high-intensity work back-to-back and you're starting to get run down and overtrained, that's when these strategies become even, even more important. Right, so I want you to try and find ways to work on those different strategies. Uh, again, if you just raced, now is a perfect time to do it. Recover this week so you can hit next week a little bit harder and, and get back to your, your training. All right, again, check out the show notes at www.spartanunderground.com slash episode 22. If you haven't given us a rating yet on iTunes or however you might be listening to this show, please head over there and, and do that. Uh, check out our Facebook page if, if you haven't seen that. We post videos and different tips on there as well. And uh, again, I'll put links in the, in the show notes. But until next time, keep training hard, but keep recovering.